on this episode of Healthier Workplaces. We'll talk about AIHA's Pride Special Interest Group. Things of that nature, uh, just because I, I think, at least from when I went to the um, conference this past May, it was really great to kind of be back in person and just be in a room of hundreds of other IHs and safety professionals. I forgot how that felt. Um, and so I wanted to kind of even make that further kind of make a community of, of LGBTQ plus individuals that have the same interest and how to recognize and identify those individuals and, and make those connections at, at conference and um, across workplaces um, so that we can really kind of leverage all of our expertise and experiences um, across the board. Welcome to the Healthier Workplaces Show, a program dedicated to highlighting the efforts of industry professionals who protect our workers and their communities from occupational and environmental hazards. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine, and your host for this new program from AIHA. Over the past few years, there has been a heightened emphasis on creation of and expansion to diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, otherwise known as DEI in the workplace. These programs reinforce cultures of psychological safety among workers who increasingly come from diverse backgrounds, perspectives, and life experiences. This week, we meet three members of AIHA's new Pride Special Interest Group to learn about their team's goals. When we come back, we'll sit down with Mike Iardi, April Clayton, and Jake Shedd. Stay with us. Here's our consultant, Sarah. She's always looking for ways to grow her network and increase her business, but advertising is expensive. There are lots of competitors, and sometimes she has trouble finding the right audience. Luckily for Sarah, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA, offers the perfect low-cost solution, the AIHA Consultants Listing. This listing is the perfect resource for consumers and businesses, and especially for those in need of highly specialized and qualified industrial hygienists. Every year, AIHA sends the consultants listing to thousands of decision makers nationwide in a variety of industries, including legal, real estate, trade associations, academics, hospitals, and all levels of government, including most federal agencies. It's also readily available online through their website. Sarah had no idea the consultants listing was such a valuable low-cost resource. Now she knows getting into the directory makes perfect sense to better her business. It didn't take long before Sarah found her network expanding, and she was even pulling ahead of her competitors. The AIHA Consultants Listing, your link to building a larger network. You know, just the fact that that we have the special interest group that AIHA uh, uh, approved it was just recently, right? Just July. So this this is a mm -hmm. this was something that was has this been in the works for a while? Um, not really. So I, I think the idea came about this past conference just in in May, um, and so over the summer I helped to kind of put together a proposal and and. Uh, the, the, it was presented at the board meeting in July. Um, so it was a pretty quick turnaround from inception to 
um, to having it be a, a realized group within the AIHA. Excellent. Um, and, and obviously, the, you know, the discussion of, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, DEI, um, it, it, it makes full sense to actually have, I think, a special, a special interest group in your organization to address these issues. But how are these issues, how do you see these issues as perhaps being uh, different for the uh, uh, LGBTQ community uh, as far as far as health and safety? Because I mean, are, are there are, are there different aspects that, you know, that happen in the workplace as, as a result of uh, orientation and that sort of thing? I mean, is that something that, because I see that in the, uh, in the commentary on, on the post from AIHA and I just, I'd rather, I don't know who wrote this. So I'd like to know, you know, what the, uh, you know, what your intent is and what your goals for the special interest group are. Yes. So I, I can start there. So I, I had written this blog post, okay. um, but I think the intentions are, are twofold. The first would be to kind of discover, I think some of these, potentially um, disproportional health effects that um, LGBTQ uh, plus individuals might experience from workplace exposures. And I, I think that research is just kind of really getting started. So I would, um, uh, for this group, it would be great if, if that could be something that we really um, get involved with, um, start to spur uh, research, work with other um, researchers across academic institutions, uh, and organizations, government organizations who might also be uh, in this space, I think, uh, researching in this space, I think it's it's very novel and we just don't at this point understand um, what types of disproportionate health effects might be affecting this group. Um, and then kind of as, as a second piece to that is also bringing together uh, LGBTQ plus individuals within our profession um, so that we can uh, advocate for our community and then give back to the community through research uh, and, and form our own community within AAHA. Well, let's talk in terms of the research. I mean, is is there currently research uh, being conducted formally on this or is this something that you are as a as a, your group in AIHA is trying to spur on? There are papers that are out there right now. Um, I can't really think of any working titles, but definitely when I was doing some research, just thinking about some points that we could address maybe as the special interest group, there there are quite a few publications that are out there already. And there's also um, currently a nationwide study going on called the, the PRIDE study, uh, stands for the Population Research and Identity and Disparities for Equality study. Uh, it's out of Stanford and um, University of California, San Francisco. Um, and I think they're looking more at just uh, just health effects generally of, of the queer population. Um, so I think where, where our group could come in and, and other industrial hygienists and safety professionals could really help out is, is that workplace aspect of, of overall health um, um, and how the workplace affects, yeah, affects health. So I'm assuming you're all on, in this special interest group is that that's how that's how uh, we ended up together on the show today, right? It's you're you're all actively uh, engaged in, in this this group, right? So, yeah. So and by that, yeah. I, I yes, rephrase that's that. Correct. What I meant by that was I, <laughs> I meant that as far as as far as the new special interest group for AIHA. Correct. Yeah. So this so we're we're part so how, of the, how many people how many people are on that? It's not a committee. It's a special interest group, right? So it's how uh, how many how many individuals are participating in it right now? I guess is the question I had. Yeah. So so. 
we three are the the new board um, that was nominated by uh, the board of AIHA. Um, and then so we have yet to have our, our first group meeting, but it, I think there's about 20 to 30 individuals um, who have kind of expressed interest through our uh, open call announcement for, for uh, participation in the group. So I guess I'd ask too, how, um, so how did, how did this come about that this, that this was even proposed to the board? I mean, obviously somebody had to create an initiative to bring this to the board as a proposal, right? I'm assuming. Um, yeah, that would, that would be Mike. We'll, we'll yeah. give him the credit he deserves for that <laughs> one because he started this up. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and I'm, mean, I'm just curious, was it well-received going in and initially or was, you know, did you get pushback or, you know, um, no. Uh, so, I, I mean, we put together the proposal over the summer. Um, I worked with a, a colleague here at uh, Chemrisk who's, who's on the board, um, and she was able to put me in touch with uh, Larry. Uh, we had talked about it a little bit. I, I sent him the proposal before the board meeting um, so that uh, he could take a look and get some input on it. Um, and then it was presented to the board at their July meeting. and. Um, it was unanimously approved, so no pushback. Um, and I think just a really uh, excitement from the board uh, behind the group. Fabulous. So a April, um, you're an anomaly in, in this group in that you are in private sector and you're also, uh, you know, serve in the, the military as well. Um, so you have you have a, a I think maybe a more of an overview perspective on you know be, you know serve, serving the public in the military capacity, but also you're in that uh, in healthcare, right? You, you work in a healthcare facility. Uh, yes, that's correct. So I, um, yeah, I definitely would say I have a maybe interesting uh, perspective being a, a queer service member and also um, on the civilian side, um, working in a, a healthcare um, associated space. Are, are, are you finding that, um, you know, which, which I guess I, I have to ask this question because um, which is, is it more challenging in a military in a military setting uh, for you than in a, uh, in a, just a regular uh, uh, public sector? As so far as career-wise, you know. Right, yeah, no, I understand. I think each have their own different challenges. Um, in my experience, I think... Um, I would say probably in the civilian space, um, I think I've actually met more queer people in the military than I have in the civilian space, uh, which I think is uh, actually very cool. But, um, you know, I think being able to find and be in a safe space where, you know, you can be your most authentic self, I think has challenges or I've experienced challenges. Um, in both spheres, um, but I must say, like the people that I see as my leaders have been welcoming, um, and uh, that I'm very grateful for. Um, but I would say the challenges are different. I don't know if I would say one is more challenging than the other, if that makes sense. Sure, totally. So di different parameters that you're dealing in. Mm -hmm. uh, so the second one would be to kind of to create a community within AIHA where um, LGBTQ plus uh, industrial hygienists, safety professionals um, can work together, can um, form mentor-mentee relationships, um, things of that nature. Uh, just because I, I think, at least from when I 
went to the um, conference this past May, it was really great to kind of be back in person and just be in a room of hundreds of other IHs and safety professionals. I forgot how that felt. Um, and so I wanted to kind of even make that uh, like further kind of make a community of of uh, LGBTQ plus individuals that have the same interest and how to recognize and identify those individuals and, and make those connections at at conference and um, across workplaces um, so that we can really kind of leverage all of our expertise and experiences um, across the board. Makes sense. Um, the the acronym, uh, the PRIHDE, that's that's a play, right? With the, with the IH in there? Correct. Um, yeah. So, so how did you come up with that? And are, is that something that that you and the group actually uh, uh, authored? Um, yeah, that was part of the proposal. Um, so that that was just kind of me playing around with the the word pride, <laughs> and then putting IH in there. Um, so I I had just kind of put it out there in the proposal to the to the board, um, and just as a potential name, but it, it really stuck. So. Um, I like it too, and in the original proposal, I put it in in rainbow. It had enough. It had enough colors to fit the rainbow, which was pretty cool. There, there you go. Enough letters. Well, <laughs> well it definitely. You know, when I when uh, Ben first you know proposed us doing this show, he um you know I, I saw I saw that acronym. was like, and it really it jumped out at me because it's like, well, I haven't seen that one ever before. <laughs> yeah. With, with the, the <laughs> it worked IH. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's well. That's I think that's really important when you're when you're you know you're trying to get attention you're trying to you're trying to collectively get people together you have to have some uh messaging that sticks I mean, how how do we go about in, in incorporating diversity equity and inclusion you know into that you know what is has been at least a fairly stodgy and in, in, at least in the past uh, uh occupational environmental health and safety you know profession path you know I mean, again and i think it's evolved massively in the last 15 or 20 years but still long ways to go so how you know what are the, what are some of the steps that you all think that you know can be done and, and maybe that your special interest group can help foster within uh aiha to help uh, get to those ends i mean i'm putting that out there i'll take a crack at this one um, i mean i think one of the major things is just representation and that's kind of one of the things we've talked about in this group is just being here and bringing awareness to the fact that yes there are queer people in the workplace as you mentioned the field has been uh, quote unquote stodgy in years to pass or in years past um but especially as newer early career professionals are entering you're seeing a more diverse population both in the workplace, but especially in the IH specialty, you're seeing more women, you're seeing more people of color, you're seeing more queer people coming in and just having that recognition that, hey, this, this isn't just a, uh, a space for white baby boomers anymore. There, there is more diversity and just kind of being aware that each person has their own experience that they bring to the table and that gives them their own unique approach to occupational health and safety. Well, and it makes sense that the space, you know, that, that this whole career path space is more representative of society in general. Right. And it's never good when there's, you know, when it's exclusively represented by, uh, you know, a, a dominant group there, it, it just doesn't make sense. So, so this is, this is really great. 
And uh, the fact that, you know, your organization is at least, you know, supporting your efforts, I think it's huge too, because that's obviously you need support from the board at you know, board level to be able to start to move some initiatives forward. Um, yeah, so, I so just what, wanted to echo, if I may add, just echo Jake as well. And I think it's also important that we do have the support from AIJ, And I could definitely, um, I, I think it's also important um, that when we have institutions, you know, take a, a, an authentic stance, you know, and it's not performative. I think that's where the real work can begin. Um, and I think something that I'm excited about this group um, doing is really, um, adding an LGBTQ plus lens um, in the charge towards occupational health equity for queer people. I, I think, yeah, yeah, and really to echo that, April, I, I, th I think in this case, it really is important that it's not just window dressing, that they're, they're, they actually are, you know, as an organization, the organization is actually promoting, you know, it go, going here as opposed to, you know, just saying, well, you know, we've got that covered. We checked that box and, you know, in the sheet. So you, you really feel that there's there's good support at board level across the board on, on your initiatives? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's huge. That's I think huge. one of the things I was told um, by Larry, the, the president or the CEO, excuse yeah. me, of uh, AIHA, like, was that the board unanimously approved uh, the pride sig to become a special interest group, which is amazing because that's just kind of showing that a lot of the old guard we've been talking about really are supportive of the, the diversity efforts that are coming in and they have recognized through the years that the uh, association is not necessarily represented the workforce as best as it could, which is amazing. Yeah, and that's super. That's super important. I mean, obviously, you know, an organization like AIHA or really any of the the, the uh, silos, you know, in the various you know, the various organizations that represent different disciplines in the industry, it is really important that you represent society in general and your workforce in general. You know, and if you just represent one aspect of the workforce, that almost promotes keeping that workforce very. Yeah, I, I can't even think of the term I'm looking for, but just very monolithic, right? You know, I guess that's the term I was looking for. And so it's 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 refreshing to actually see uh, some, you know, at least forward motion in that. We'll be back after this. When I was a student, somebody helped me. I think it's my responsibility now that I found some success in this profession to help others. In my opinion, you can't see yourself as successful if you're not helping other people. We as industrial hygienists, EHS professionals, need to give back to secure that students are well prepared and supported in their educational endeavors. Look at it as paying it forward. Somebody helped me get to where I am so I'm helping others to achieve their dreams. We all have to make sacrifices in life, but this is a gift that we can take pride in giving back through the foundation. Opening doors, it's that basic. It's easy for us to open doors and usher future EHS professionals along the path that we traveled when we were students. Sit back and think about the start of your industrial hygiene journey. How many people help you get to where you are now? How expensive was school back then 
and how much more expensive it is now. Now think about how your giving will go into investing into that next CIH or EHS professional. Lead by example. Some folks helped me get to where I am, so I'm just doing my part. And it feels good to know that I'm contributing to the future of our profession. The foundation makes it easy in so many ways to make a gift, and I've seen firsthand how my giving has been appreciated by students. So do your part. Give back. question for all of you is what are some of your immediate goals with you know with your special interest group here at AIHA and uh, maybe uh, we can even discuss some you know some wish list longer term goals that you're looking to achieve yeah I think in terms of immediate goals it's just trying to um, get get the, the group out there um, like Jake said just make it more recognized uh, so that people understand that this is a group that you can get involved with. Um, and uh, I think also immediately trying to just forge collaborations with other um, interest groups and, and committees within AIHA, and then also uh, beyond that. So what other um, organizations within uh, government agencies like uh, NIOSH or um, OSHA uh, could we collaborate with on, on different programs that involve uh, equity, um, protecting susceptible vulnerable workers. Um, and then maybe more longer term, I, I think some of this research that we've been talking about plays into that. Um, and just generally kind of helping uh, AIHA with its own uh, DEI initiatives uh, and bringing that lens where we can and, and kind of um, spurring just uh, progression on, on DEI initiatives. I mean, DEI in general is something that, you know, it, it has been an uphill battle in years past, certainly. I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're long ways from where we need to be uh, in all workforces, you know, but certainly it, it seems like the, I've, you know, seen at least some motion in the last several years, it seems uh, there has been positive motion, I think, which is which is refreshing and reassuring that maybe you know progress is is capable of happening. But still, still not an easy path, is it? I mean, no, I think it's definitely an uphill battle. Um, but it, it's it's the everything's I think moving in the right direction. I think that progression, um, it's it's going to happen slowly but surely. Um, it's not going to be like an overnight thing where you flip a switch and everyone. All workplaces are diverse. Everyone is is attuned to DEI. Um, so I think it's initiatives like these that that push the needle uh, forward just a little bit um, and just a little bit and a little bit. And then looking back two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, uh, we'll see just the, the amount of progression that we've that we've accomplished. So, and so let's uh, let's talk about uh, so, some of those, you know, in your envisionment, uh, all three of you, your envisionment of, of where, you know, where you would like to see AIHEB, excuse me, AIHAB, and, uh, you know, where you'd like to see just the industry in general be, you know, for your, for your career paths in the uh, occupational, environmental health and safety areas. Uh, so in general, I don't think... Uh workplace 
safety and health is going anywhere as long as there's people working like we've got job security so there that's great but as far as like development goes um it would be nice to see dei not be so closely associated with politics and with um uh quote unquote like moral ideologies um it's something that should be apolitical. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are, what your ideologies are. People exist, whether you like it or not. And people should be allowed to exist without needing your permission to, to take up space in the world. So kind of seeing that permeate, um, especially in the occupational health world, um, a lot of the jobs that we have are very blue collar, uh, a lot of factory manufacturing. So you're dealing with a group of people who traditionally may not be very DEI minded uh, or open minded for that matter to experiences outside of their own. So kind of getting them to the point where they, they don't feel threatened. It's not, it's not a change. It's not anything that's going to affect them at all it's just getting them to realize hey there's there's other people in this workplace that need to feel comfortable too we're and we're certainly you know unfortunately in you know we're in a political cycle right now in this country um we're polarized as anything uh, as as a country um and I, I would concur that you know just just like you said you said jake um this shouldn't be a political issue. It shouldn't really be a belief system. It's just, it's right and wrong, really. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And that, that, that should, that should transgress across all, you know, whatever political ideology you have, or, you know, whatever religious ideology you have, you really should, you know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me that, you know, that, yeah. that we have to, you know, that we have to constantly be you know creating these situations where we're so, you know, yeah. very divided. And I, it, so I, I was just going to say, and, and as industrial hygienists and, and safety professionals too, I think, um, and there was a great art article in the Synergist about this topic, maybe uh, a year, year and a half ago, but uh, just how DEI programs help to um, foster a, a workplace culture that's psychologically safe. Um, so how is so how can we as IHs and safety professionals, um, not only are we looking at um, physical stressors in the workplace, biological, chemical, uh, but also these, these psychological stressors. Uh, and I think robust DEI programs that are inclusive of everyone uh, that have um, worker involvement are gonna be so important to um, help fostering those, those psychologically safe workplaces as well. And, and April, you know, the, again, you you're you're dealing both in a military setting, and, you know, and also uh, you know in a healthcare setting. So two two totally different environments, uh, I, I would imagine. Um, the the uh, the aspect of you know the occupational health and safety, uh, you know, the actual physical safety. I think maybe those requirements are similar, but again, going back to the whole mental feeling, you know, feeling you know feeling emotionally safe in the environment. Are there different ways that you have to address the, address those in your career and, and, and the two different hats that you wear? So, you know, I would say yes. Um, so um, in the military sphere, um, I think I'm very fortunate to be serving in the, in the Pennsylvania Army National Guard because we have leaders who are um, 
I would say, very um, upfront about um, equity and inclusion and um, what does that mean for our Army and how that's in alignment with the Army values. Um, and I think when we navigate those kinds of conversations, I think it does have to come from the top um, and be pushed down so that there's this ethos, right, that, you know, um, you know, we can be our authentic selves. And when that's not supported, there are there are chains of uh, or chains or avenues that we can take to make sure that that soldier is being wholly protected. Right. So, you know, physically and mentally. Um, so I think, uh, you know, where I am, um, I have definitely felt that from leaders um, that I that at least I'm around. Um, and I, I think that can be very powerful, right? Um, because if you see people, you know, not only just, you know, speak the language, but actually it's not performative, right? They're taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. um, I think in, in the Army National, or at least kind of wh where I am, um, you know, we have um, an equal opportunity advisor front and center, like, you know, we see him walking around um, and he takes action when there are actions that need to be taken. And I think things like that, that means a lot to soldiers. Mm -hmm. I know it means a lot to me um, as a person who is a queer Black woman in the Army, right? And so it's not just, you know, somebody coming up there and saying what they think needs to be said or, you know, oh, per this Army, you know, latest notification, I have to say this. It's not that kind of language. Um, it's, it's true and it's sincere. And I think that I know if it means a lot to me, I could imagine it means a lot to other soldiers too who hear it. Yeah, I mean, that, that um, seems super important. Yeah. yeah so, I, you know, I've got to say I'm very fortunate to to be in that sphere. I think, um, I think both in the public and the military spheres, I think we still have a long way to go. You know, but I can see um, the work being done and the work being done authentically. Um, not to say that it's not without its challenges, but. Um, and I would say as a, as a medical officer, um, it's also important to not stigmatize um, behavioral health and mental health hygiene. Um, I think, you know, we do tend to focus on when we think about forced health protection, right? We also have to think about, um, you know, psychological well-being too. Sure. So I think the Army is, I am hopeful that the Army is moving in, in the right direction, um, you know, towards towards comprehensive and holistic health of the soldier. Um, well, I can speak on my civilian experience. Yeah, please do, please life, do. Because, but, it's, um, it, because it's, it's interesting that, you know, you're, you you have that dual perspective, uh, you know, both serving in the military and, you know, and actually, you know, working for a, you know, a medical facility. Um, you know, I, I will say um, where I work, I do, um, I do believe you know, kind of the, um, I think the conversations are the same. I think there's definitely been a, a re-energized focus on, on DEI. Um, and I think, I guess for me, when I see it being sincerely, you know, actioned out, I think that's where the change, the real change comes, you know, when you're, um, you know, you're teaching people to be, to move from being a bystander, right, to an upstander, when you can create a space where people can openly, you know, call out, you know, microaggressions or call out behavior that is um, leading to certain people to not be comfortable, right, and um, pushing them to the margins. So 
I think, um, you know, I've I've seen that upward trend where we're now creating workspaces where, um, you know, we can call that out, um, and it's without uh, punition, right? And so I think having these um, avenues of accountability, both in the military and the civilian spheres, um, and it actually leading to action, I think is what um, means the most to me. And I definitely could see, you know, DISIG um, helping to further uh, further that um, across um, the diversity of workplaces that we have, whether somebody may um, be openly queer or not. Um, but hopefully that's, you know, their choice and they don't feel like they're in a psychologically unsafe space where they can't be um, openly queer. Um, but I could definitely see our SIG um, kind of being that that voice and that guiding light to really help institutions think about um, DEI in the environmental health and safety workspace um, overlaid with uh, queerness. I mean, do, do you believe... I mean, so April, you expressed that. Um, do you think we're we're getting a lot better as as far as the openness in, in the workplace for people to be able to call out, um, you know, areas where they feel uncomfortable um, or other, you know, if you're observing some, some activity going on that you know it doesn't seem right the way somebody's being treated, are are, are we in a better space now? You think just across the nation and, and maybe even across the globe where we can actually, you know, we can actually call out things that that aren't right, you know, without being, without having some sort of uh, uh, retribution, you know, in the workplace, because I mean, that hasn't been the case in the past. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic and say yes, but I think there's still more work to do, um, which is why groups like us are important, right? I think we still need to um, keep up the momentum, right? Like it just can't be you know, a moment, right? It has to be this continuous movement, right? Towards the, um, you kind of, you know, along this um, arc of equity and inclusion, right? Um, so I, in my experience, I think it has gotten better. Um, you know, I, I did not come out until I was 29. Um, and so um, kind of seeing places uh, be more welcoming to having people be openly queer. I, I've definitely experienced that improvement um, since I got a real job <laughs> after grad school. So <laughs> real job. So we're, we're running out of time, but what I'd like to do is let each of you, and I'm just posing this now, uh, closing thought or some, some thought that we didn't cover because we kind of, you know, this was, this was a really quick discussion with, with the four of us. A closing thought that I have is, is that, you know, I am hopeful that um, this SIG has come at the right time. Um, so I thank you, Mike, for your leadership and your drive. Um, I think we have a lot of work to do. I think it's going to be a lot of good work um, and really, um, adding this queer lens to occupational um, and environmental health so that we can work towards the charge of having comprehensive uh, worker health in, um, you know, every single workplace. Um, and, you know, I think I'm very fortunate to be part of this. So those are my closing thoughts. So I'm excited to work with Mike and Jake and 
the uh, 25 and hopefully growing members that we have in Pride. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, I guess I can echo um, some of that. I, I think just, I guess, entering the workforce as a 23, 24 year old, uh, even though I was out, I, I think it was still quite scary to be out in the workplace. You didn't really know what that what that meant, what that looked like. Um, so having a an entire profession that I that I found myself to be in, uh, that I trained for, be supportive of who I am as an individual, and and really um, want groups like ours to to go out there and support um, our communities who are in the workforce and our communities within the profession um, has just been really inspiring and encouraging, and has given me a lot of energy over the past. Um, couple of months as we've kind of gotten this off the ground, um, meeting new people, getting to work with um, April and Jake uh, on, on these initiatives. Uh, so I'm just, uh, as, as April said, just kind of really hopeful for our group that we can um, do something positive for our profession and, and for the LGBTQ plus community in, in general. Excellent. Okay. And I, I guess I'll wrap things up. Um, kind of along the same lines as what Mike and April have already said. Um, the, the major things that I want listeners to know about our SIG is that this SIG is open to everybody. Whether you are closeted, whether you are out and proud, whether you're an ally, whether you're just trying to get more information and try to understand. Um, we're we're here to support you and this is a safe place and i feel like we need to make sure to say that um as somebody who is i, I may not have the work experience that say like mike or april do just because i i'm fresh out of grad school and just in my first job but i have been involved with aiha for nearly 10 years now as a student in undergrad throughout my graduate days and having been closeted through a lot of that and having come out with just in the last couple of years, really both personally and professionally, like I understand how important it is to feel safe. Cause I don't know a few years ago while I was still closeted, if I would have felt comfortable even attending a meeting like this for fear of, is that information going to get out? How is that going to affect my ability to network professionally? Like, what is, what is that going to do as I try to build my brand and my career? So just kind of doubling down on the, we are welcome and we are safe for everybody. If you want to be, or if you are closeted and you want to stay closeted, you're safe. We're not going to tell anybody. You don't have to tell us if, if you're closeted or if you're not like that, do whatever makes you feel comfortable, but you will be safe with our SIG. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back in two weeks with a new show. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Thanks again for watching. And stay healthy.